Yeah, so Father, right now, thank you for your word that has been deposited into Roger's heart as he's prepared. Lord, I just want to say thank you on behalf of us as a church for Roger and all that he brings to us. Lord, thank you for the season that you've got him in right now, where he's giving his time to you. Thank you for all that you've been depositing into him by your spirit through the word. Thank you for his obedience in doing the things that you've asked him to do, no matter how strange they might seem. Thank you that you've called him to be a herald for you. Yeah. And Lord, thank you that there's a release of that anointing coming and that there's new things coming. So Lord, thank you for what you're going to say today. Lord, I pray that his words would come out with confidence and with conviction, that he would not be afraid or ashamed or embarrassed about what he's going to say, but he would speak what your spirit has imprinted on his heart with boldness and with courage, trusting you, that you would cause it to fall into our hearts and that the seed that is of you would fall into our hearts and grow, take root and bear fruit. Lord, we're looking for fruit to come as a result of the word that we hear today. And Lord, as the people that are listening, we say yes. God, we're wanting to listen to what you have to say to us by your spirit this morning. And we're wanting to say yes and respond to what you are calling us to do. We want to put your word into action. Yeah. Help us, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Cool. Well, I don't know how that girl is, but she's good, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, good. Thank you. Right, we're going to see a miracle this morning. Roger Bostock is going to keep still when he preaches. He's not going to walk from there to there and back again. Uh, Mark Baines doesn't think it's possible, but it is possible. It is possible. I'm going to stay behind this lectern like a good old boy, um, unless I don't. Is that okay? I'll just waggle my head around so I can see everybody. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming. I trust you're well and... Um, full of the joys of the Lord. Um, one of the things, I mean, Oliver's prayed some of what I'm going to speak. I hadn't really told her what I was going to speak on, but, um, you know, it's a similar heart, isn't it, which is good. We come one in heart. Um, I generally tend to read each day a chapter of Proverbs and a chapter of Psalms or a Psalm, as well as my other reading. And so I... I come round and I keep it to the, I'm a simple chap, so it w works for me to keep it to the date. So on the 24th, I'm reading Proverbs 24. It doesn't work with the Psalms, but there's always a four. If it's the 24th, there's a four involved. Yes, I know where I'm at. Otherwise, I get all kinds of a muddle. If I'm three, if, if three days behind the date, I'm in, I'm in trouble. Even so, I still sometimes read the wrong uh, proverb. And I think, oh gosh, I read this yesterday. and I have to go back and read the one that should have been. But what it means is that every 24th day of the month, I come across Proverbs 24, obviously. And I just want to read uh, this little two verses. Proverbs 24, verse 10, 11, and 12 to frame what I'm going to say. Because every time I read it, it sort of speaks to me. I think, yes, that's so important. So I'm using the New Revised Standard Version as my version, um, just because I am. Um, I hope it works for you, but your version might be different. Um, but you can look it up in yours. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength being small. If you hold back from rescuing those taken away to death, those who go staggering to the slaughter, if you say, look, we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay all according to their deeds? 
So 20, it's 24 particularly, sorry, 11, sorry. If you hold back from rescuing those taken away to death, those who go staggering to the slaughter. I just wonder who these people are that we should be rescuing, that are going staggering to death and staggering to the slaughter. Who are these people? Do you see them around? People staggering to the slaughter? I mean, it's not, we're not at war or anything, are we? You know, people aren't being taken off like they were at war times. Who are these people? I want to begin to think a little bit about this. I'm going to look at the book of Jonah, the prophet Jonah. Um, I think it helps us on this. And so you, you might want to turn to Jonah. It might help you. I'm going to read bits of it, but I'm going to dot, dot around as well. So Jonah. He says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. Their wickedness has come up before me. Their wickedness has come up before me. It doesn't sound very good, does it? it? Sounds like God is a bit cross with Nineveh. But Jonah didn't want to do that. I don't know what was wrong with the bloke. I mean, you and I just obey immediately, don't we? But he didn't. He decided that he was going to go from the presence of the Lord. That's never a good thing, is it? From the presence of the Lord. Actually, you can't go from the presence of the Lord. We know that from, from the Psalms. God is everywhere. But there's a sense of, the, uh, of being aware of the presence of God that we can try and get away from. So they went to Joppa and he got on a ship to Tarshish. Okay, so he's running away from God. It's kind of like the opposite way, really. It's like if you're going to go to Ely, you go to Haverhill instead. You know, it's that kind of, is that opposite? I think it probably is, isn't it? But you know the thing, but a lot further. But God sent a storm, okay? And the storm was so violent that the ship began to break up. And the sailors were afraid. Each cried to his own God and threw out the cargo. They tried to make the ship lighter and so they wouldn't be... Um, wouldn't be wrecked. But Jonah was asleep in the hold. Now, sleeping in a boat isn't necessarily a bad thing. Jesus did it. Jesus did it out of a place of trust. When he told the disciples to go across the lake, he slept. He was at peace. He knew because he'd said it, they were going to get there. So nothing to worry about. There's a storm, but we're going to go through it. But Jonah was doing bad sleeping. If you can have such a thing as bad sleeping. Yeah? He was doing bad sleeping. And the captain went to him and said, Jonah, why are you asleep? What are you doing asleep? Call on your God to spare us a thought so that we do not perish. And if I can kind of frame again and pick out a thing that I'm going to be talking about, this is, this is key. It says, call on your God to spare us a thought so that we do not perish. Call on God to spare us a thought so we do not perish. Okay, bear that in mind. That's the context of, of what I'm speaking about. But the... the um, the sailors hadn't read their Bible, so they didn't know the story of Jonah. So they cast lots to find out who was the problem. What's the problem? Who, which one of us is the problem? And the lot fell to Jonah, and they said to him, tell us, why? What's going on? Who are you? What are you doing? And he said, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord God of heaven, who made sea and dry land. The sailors were even more afraid, because he'd already told them that he was trying to escape from the presence of God. And they said, what shall we do? Jonah said, throw me overboard. But the sailors being, you know, decent chaps, we can't throw him overboard in this storm. He's going he's to drown, if you're going to use such a word. Um, 
So they tried to row. They said, let's, let's row. We'll row the ship back to shore and then no one be, um, no one be hurt or saved. But it didn't work. They couldn't do it. And so Jonah again probably said, throw me over. And they said, God, just deliver us from any blood guiltiness about that. But they threw him over and immediately the storm stopped. And the sailors were even more afraid. And it said they, they made vows and they sacrificed. Which is amazing because God brought salvation or God brought deliverance to these guys despite the fact that Jonah was being disobedient. That's just the grace of God. He's able to do uh, much more than we think or imagine. But we'll come back to that later on. But then God provided something for him. What did God provide? A whale. Actually, my Bible says a big fish. So let's go with big fish. It might have been a whale. Sorry, I set you up there for failure. Not for failure, but I set you up to say the wrong thing, which is a bit naughty, really. You shouldn't do that kind of thing. It's a big fish. You know, God may have been breeding this fish. I mean, I've seen some koi carp up on the university. They're big old fish. They're not big enough to say. But God's probably been breeding this fish for a while, getting it big enough. Thinking, yeah, not quite big enough yet. He needs to get a bigger mouth so he can swallow. Jonah. Anyway, he swallows Jonah. And he's in the belly of the fish. Three nights and three days. And, and Jesus alludes to it, doesn't he? he? When he's talking, he's saying, the men of Nineveh will rise up and condemn this generation because they repented at the preaching of uh, of Jonah, but that's getting ahead of myself. But in the fish, um, I don't know how it works. It's in the Bible, I'll believe it. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm a simple chap, let's believe what the Bible says. We will not get into, was it a fish, did he die, whatever, all that kind of stuff. He was in the whale, and he was able to pray, or he's in the fish, or he's able to pray. And let's just read the last little bit, 2 verse 7. It says, as my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who worship vain, vain, sorry, vain idols forsake their true loyalty. Someone suggested to me this morning that the football was a vain idol, but I kind of, you know, I won't tell you who it was, but they just said amen then. So, you know, it was. <laughs> but anyway, some people see it as such, and, and it is, I, I agree, to some degree. But it says, I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Deliverance belong to the Lord. And it said that God spoke to the fish and he spat him out. And, and at times past when I told him, I've, I've alluded to how he may have looked. He wouldn't have been a pretty sight, covered in whale, fish, sick, vomit. Not very nice, is it? Who knows what the fish will have eaten. And then the word of, you know, it wasn't, okay, Jonah, you've made a boo-boo, go home, forget all about it. No, God said to him, became, the word came a second time. Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city. Proclaim to it the message I tell you. And Jonah went. Amazingly. He went. And it tells us in the Bible it's a big city. Three days walk across. It sounds massive. I mean, I've seen it said perhaps it wasn't as big as that. But it was big anyway. A lot of people, there 120,000 people. And Jonah went in a day's walk. And then he started to preach. Forty days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. He's bringing the judgment. God says he's going to smash the place. Yeah? You saw that earlier, didn't you? God said he was going to bring judgment on it. God was going to smash the place. Because that's what God wanted to do. Because they weren't Jews. They were Assyrians. He was going to smash them up. Because that's what they deserved. Yeah? No, everyone's looking at me a bit blankly. Perhaps I'm reading a different Bible than you guys. I, I don't know. But the people believed God. 
they believed Jonah. They believed what Jonah was saying. And they, they sort of said, wow, this is going to happen to us. We better fast. They started to fast. They put on sackcloth and ashes. Even the king got involved. And there was a proclamation that went out saying, even the animals have got to wear sackcloth. And, and no one's got to um, eat food. They've got to turn from the evil ways and the violence of the ways. And so turn and turn back. Turn away from the evil of the ways. And it says that God saw them turning from evil. And he changed his mind about the calamity and did not do it. In my notes, I've put tick, tick. That's good. Well done, Jonah. You can go home now. You've done your job. But Jonah was displeased. I was thinking, uh, my grandson Leo, he's, a, he's seven now, but when he was about five, we watched this, I think it was called The Star, and we, it tickled us. It probably doesn't tickle you. And it says... Uh, the, the narrator said about this chap, he said, and we'll say Jonah. And Jonah wasn't pleased. And then it cuts to Jonah and he goes, I'm not pleased. And Leo and I thought that was really funny. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a six-year-old boy, 61-year-old man kind of humor. You know, you might not have that simple, but you know, he's not pleased. I'm not pleased. So Jonah was not pleased, okay? Um, and let me just read four, Jonah 4, 2. He says, but this was very pleasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. You know, I hope that we don't respond to people getting saved on the streets with that kind of attitude when we see it. You know, there's it, been a great thing happened, hasn't there? And here's Jonah muttering and moaning, a bit like the elder brother of the prodigal, isn't it? You know, moaning. You know, this, this guy's come back, he's spent all your money on prostitutes and, and wasted it, and, and you've taken him in. And the father says, your son was lost, and now he's found. How can we not celebrate how can we not celebrate and be pleased and happy? Something not quite right about Jonah, wasn't there? Yeah, easy for us to spot it, but, you know, sometimes there's a little Jonah on the inside of us, and that's what I perhaps want to try and get at a little bit. But anyway, Jonah was displeased, but he went to the east of the city um, and made a booth to see what would happen. I mean, nothing's going to happen, Jonah. You're going to have to wait 40 days anyway, because you said 40 days. So you're going to have to wait a long time. But nothing's going to happen. God's changed his mind. But God being gracious, it said, he let a bush grow up over him to save him from his discomfort. Jonah didn't deserve that, did he? Didn't deserve to be saved from his discomfort by a bush from, from God. But anyway, that's what God did. And, and he was very happy about the bush. I'm sorry, I can't say that word bush. I'm a Midlander, right? We have trouble with bush or bash. I don't know how you say it, right? bash. But anyway, I had bush. You know, right? Like bus and bush. So I, I struggle with that word, bush. Jonah was ha happy about the bush. But at dawn, God appointed, there's a lot of appointing of worms and bushes and whales and all sorts of things going on, isn't there? You know? um, anyway, God appointed a worm and the, he attacked the bush and the bush withered. And the vine, the vine, sorry, and whatever, it withered. And then God sent a sultry wind, a sultry east wind. My, in my mind, sultry is kind of like a, hey, oh la la. 
uh, you know, a sultry lady, but it, it, it means hot, really. <laughs> but in my mind, I've got that kind of belly dancing thing going on. But I probably shouldn't have kind of, you know, it's kind of a belly dancing wind coming along, you know, a sultry wind. You know, we should write it in better English, you know, so I don't give me this problem with words, you know. Anyway, if I put problems in your mind, please forgive me. Anyway, this, this sultry east wind came, and it was hot, and he started to faint. And Jonah wanted to die again. For the second time in, in the chapter, he's wanted to die. Um, and then I'm going to read from 4.9, because it said, um, he said, God said to Jonah, verse 9, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? What's the correct answer? No, it's not right for you to be angry about the bush. What did Jonah say? Yes, <laughs> angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you're concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from the left, and also many animals. They don't know their right hand from the left. I don't, I don't think it means that literally. You know, tell me again, which is this? Right, okay, and this is my left, yeah, left. Oh, I've forgotten again, sorry. Why is it, is this my left? No, it's your right. It doesn't mean that, really. It just meant that they weren't aware of what was going on and, and, and the purposes of God and stuff. But Jonah didn't exactly cover himself in glory did he? He ran away from God's uh, sending him. He endangered others, the sailors. Then he obeyed, but he was annoyed about the people being delivered. That's what he went for, you know, to, to preach so they would be, I mean, I think he probably went there to kind of pronounce judgment on them, didn't he? And there was a sense that, you know, he didn't want to be proved wrong because they proved him wrong. He said they were going to be destroyed, but they weren't because God forgave. But surely that was what he was for. And as I've said, it's a bit like the prodigal brother. So I want to just think about this story and apply it a little bit, um, particularly in the context of what we've already talked about. And look first at God the Father. God the Father, the heart of compassion. There was a city full of people there. And although it doesn't seem like it at first, when he first spoke to Jonah, it sounded like he wanted Jonah to go and condemn it and bring judgment upon it. But actually... God wanted the people to repent and to turn. He didn't want them to be destroyed. He desires to save them. Okay? And God's heart has always been for the world. God's heart has always been for people. Okay? There's some dodgy doctrines around that say, you know, he only saves some people. You know, it's to do with their, their issues, not with God's issues. He wants all men to be saved. And let me just read a few verses here, some of which you're familiar with. Actually, I'm only speaking stuff that you know. You know, I'm just re reminding you of stuff. But John, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. And then 1 Timothy 2, again a familiar verse. It says, This is right and it is acceptable, I praying for people, in the sight of God, our Saviour, who desires everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And then 2 Peter uh, 3 verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some of you think of slowness, 
but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And there's some verses in Ezekiel, which I won't read for, for time's sake, about God not wanting anyone. He doesn't delight in the death of the ungodly. Okay. Because Jonah was right in one point. Okay. Or, or maybe point. God was right. Uh, sorry, Jonah was right in 4.2b when he said, I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. God's desire is that none shall perish. Amen. None shall perish. That's God's desire, God's heart. But he's limited himself to work through you and through me. He limited himself to work through Jonah. God's heart is that none shall perish, but people need to know that's his heart. He, you know, it, it's a, we, we've been, I've been thinking about this, we, and we sang the song. We, we've come to a place where we, we understand that God is a good father, he's kind, he's gracious, he's loving, but it doesn't mean he won't condemn. It doesn't mean that everyone's, you know, we tend to think a little bit, maybe you don't, but maybe this is me. I think, I think you know, I'm not quite right here sometimes. We tend to think that people will be all right, really. They'll be all right. You know, God's a good father. They, they'll be all right. You know, maybe you don't think that. Maybe it's just me. But Jonah needed to speak the word to the people to give them opportunity to hear so they could repent and change. Yeah? And God was completely committed to Nineveh, wasn't he? He didn't give up on Nineveh because Jonah did, but he used every means, well, not every means at his disposal, because he's got a lot of means at his disposal, but he used the means necessary to get Jonah into Nineveh to preach the word so people could hear, so people could change. Listen, they weren't Jews. They weren't the covenant people. They were kind of just people in the world. But they weren't just people because God loved them and he wanted them to change. Okay? Going on from that, we can see that God can only save people who respond and believe on Jesus. Yeah, Olive prayed it earlier. And they can only respond as they hear and see the word, their predicament and God's answer. Because people are in a predicament. Make no bounds about it. People are in a predicament. If they're not in Christ, if they don't believe in Jesus, they are in a predicament too minor a word. Okay? And I think we've lost something as a church generally that's vital. As I say, we think God's a good, good father, slow to anger, forget which he is. But, you know, and we talk about being saved. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? But saved from what? What are we saved from? What are we saved from? Okay. I think we've lost sight of people's eternal destiny outside of Christ if they don't believe. And as I said, we think they're okay. They think they'll be all right. You know, my friends, my neighbours, my brother, whatever, they'll be fine. Or we don't think about it, okay? And we've become nonchalant about telling people the good news. And I have fallen short here. I acknowledge it. You know, I've been out in the street worshipping and, and doing various things. But, there's a no, you know, I, I've fallen short. And I've been thinking about this. And I, I don't think it's something you can rectify overnight because I think we need to get a, a, a revelation but let me look uh, I was just reading Thessalonians two Thessalonians in fact okay and uh, this is a somber word okay I don't want to be heavy but God is heavy on this because there's something going on that we need to know about that we need to be involved in okay we need to be involved in putting this straight so 
2 Thessalonians 1, it's in the middle of a chapter here. He's talking about people who have been afflicted, and it says, To give relief to the afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. Hooray! Hooray! Jesus is coming back with the mighty angels and flaming fire. Is that good? Okay. It's a little bit good. Yeah? I'm not getting much back from you guys. Come on, I know, I know there's people on the screen as well. Hopefully people are jumping around the living rooms and, you know, hitting the chandeliers and all that kind of stuff. So when, when Lord Jesus is revealed from fire with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, these will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction, separated from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Hooray! We win! All these other people get smashed. Is that how we should be? No, that's not how God should be, and that's not how we should be either. Um, let me just look at 2 Peter 3, verse 7. I think I've already looked at that verse, but I'm going to look at it again. I think I looked at 6 before, didn't I? 2 Peter 3, verse 7. But by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been reserved for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the godless. Um, and in the Tyndale commentary on my iPad, it says, uh, this word destruction is not, an, not annihilation, but complete ruin. It's the loss of all that makes life worth living. The opposite of eternal life. And the thing I forgot to say, sorry, in that Thessalonians verse, um, it's not vindictive when it says, let me, let me go back. I think that's important to, to realise. When it says inflicting vengeance, it sounds like it's... But that root word is, is, is it's about righteousness. The righteous judgment on these people is condemnation, death, destruction, eternal, whatever. That's the righteous judgment on their lives. Yeah? We've escaped that through Jesus taking it for us. And Jesus has taken it for everybody. But we have to believe. Yeah? So, so that's good. And then, obviously, John 3.16, which I already read. Uh, God so loved the world that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. People that don't believe in him will perish and won't have eternal life. They'll have eternal death. There's a guy called Denny. I don't know much about him, but he was in the commentary, that, uh, in the Tyndale commentary. He says, if there is any truth in the scripture at all, sorry, I haven't read it well. If there's any truth in the scripture at all, this is true, that those who stubbornly refuse to submit to the gospel and to love and obey Jesus Christ incur at the last advent an infinite and irreparable loss they pass into a night on which no morning dawns they have an infinite and irreparable loss they pass into a night on which no the the, the fate of people outside of Christ who don't believe in Jesus is horrendous and horrendous is too minor a word you can't explain it with words eternal death eternal destruction it's not good and i think we've lost this as a church church global i think i think in the past people had it you know i've been reading uh, hudson taylor and his daughter-in-law these people you know they went to china because millions were were dying without the gospel and they they wanted to see them and they took horrendous privations they they devoted their lives you know in the 1800s to going you know a lot of them lost children lost parents because of the horrendous but they went there because people were dying without a knowledge of the saving uh, 
Jesus, okay, the, the gospel, if you like. They went there, and yet we think it's okay that people around us don't really hear. And perhaps I'm being a bit unkind. We don't think it's okay, but we don't really have a sense that, that, it's, that it's not okay. You know, God is willing and able to save and desires to save all who repent and turn to him, Amen. believing on Jesus. But they need to know. Okay, Romans 10, 13 and 15. Again, I'm rehearsing stuff you know. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hooray! Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's good news, isn't it? Everyone. You don't know anybody that's not an everyone. Okay, you don't know every, anybody that's not an everyone. Everyone. God's heart is for everyone. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Right, I'm going to shut my eyes. I'm going to ask you a question. How many in here have been sent to proclaim the good news of Jesus? And I'm hoping you've all got your hands up, even though I'm not looking. I'm hoping you've all got your hands up. We've all been sent, haven't we? Yeah, Matthew 28, 20, 18 to 20. Again, familiar verses. Verses become so familiar, we don't listen to them. Yeah, but it's so important. It says, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. We've all been commanded to go, whether it's to go in Cambridge, whether it's to go wider than Cambridge, whether it's to go abroad. You know, and when it, we get a bit mixed up because preach. You know, I'm, I'm not a preacher. I'm not, I, you know, preachers are people like Roger who stand up and preach. But I, I'm just a little person. I can't preach. We all preach through our lives. Through, uh, you know, and let's, Let's do it in a different way. Acts 1, verse 8. That you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So we are all called to be witnesses. We are all called to speak. Okay? Jonah had no compassion for the people of Nineveh. He just didn't care. He was more concerned about his own reputation because he didn't want to say stuff that was proved wrong. He was more concerned about his own comfort. But we can be the same. We can be the same. We can be so delighted in our little bush that gives us comfort. We can be caught up in stuff. God give us compassion for those around us who face eternal destruction. Okay, what should we do? I've got three things to help us. And let me say, you know, preachers say when there's a little finger pointing there, there's a big finger pointing back. And there is this time. I know there is. Okay, I, I put my hands up. I need to change. So I, I'm saying let's do three things. Number one, let's ask God to give us compassion for those around us and help us to see their fate outside of Jesus. To give us compassion for them, that we love them, 
and that we see where, what their fate is. Secondly, let's pray for the people around us that God would open their eyes and ears so that they may respond. So praying is good. We need to pray uh, for people that their eyes would open. Number three, speak to them. Ask God for opportunities and boldness to, to, op- <laughs> boldness to take the opportunities. I didn't understand my own notes there. Trusting him for the words to say. You know, people might not respond, but it's our job. I've, been, I've read in Ezekiel quite, quite a bit, you know, where God sends Ezekiel to people and he tells them some of these people won't respond, but your duty is to, to speak. What they do then is their issue. Their blood guiltiness is on their own heads. But if you don't speak, their blood guiltiness is upon you. That's quite, um, you know, we don't like it. It's not very comfortable Christian Christianity, is it? But it's the truth. You know, we've all gone through this lockdown, and I am a bit sick of hearing about lockdown and how much we've lost. Um, you know, how much have we gained? But one thing we've gained is things are different, and it's time for the gospel to be preached. It's time for the gospel to go forth. It's time for churches to work together. It's time to forget about our silly little bushes that the worms are attacking, or blah, 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 and that we uh, get on and just share the good news with the people around us because they need to hear. You know, now more than ever, the gospel needs to be proclaimed. And it isn't easy. I, I know it's not easy. I was at the hairdressers yesterday before the outreach, and I was getting my hair cut with a different hairdresser, and I was thinking, uh, you know, I'm preaching tomorrow about outreach. I need to talk to this guy. But I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I don't know what to say, but he's a, he's a, you know, he wasn't an English guy, and his English wasn't... He could speak English. But anyway, so what I did, I used... Um, and you might think this is a cop-out, but this is more than I would normally do, okay? So I'm, I'm just trying to... Pr- prod myself out a bit. I used the, one of these. I don't know if you've seen the Father's Love Letter that, that we use on the streets, YWAM and Phil and Maggie and stuff. Um, called the Father's Love Letter. And I just gave it to him and said, hey, here's something for you to read. Blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't, that wasn't very good, but it's a start. And I'm saying I'm not good at this either. I actually, you know, give me a, a pile of people I can preach to. You know, I did it on King's Parade. Mark preached as well. And it was prepared, and it's the first time I've done it in a prepared way. I much prefer that than one person standing there thinking, I've got to try and... But other people are gifting that as well, and that's one of the good things on the street, that when we go out in the street, some of us worship, because that's our gifting. Other people talk, and together, you know, we're going to start doing healing on the streets as well. Um, people are moving in the gift area. And so we need to find ways that we can reach out to people, but we do need to find ways to reach out to people. As I said, Jonah was caught up in pride. He didn't want to be proved wrong when they repented. Um, You know, he should have been rejoicing. He should have been rejoicing uh, when these guys repented. And he was also caught up in his own comfort. We need to put these things aside. It's time to seek God, to allow him to use us, to reach out to the people around us. And it won't be easy. It won't be easy. It's easier to sit under your bush until the sultry wind comes and then we want to die. But, you know, it's easier to take your comfort route, but we mustn't take the comfort route. I've had a couple of instances recently. Um, I've been going out, and you might think this is a bit wacky, but this is what I've been doing. I've been going out sometimes in the morning with my violin and playing on the greens. It's kind of like, particularly on Christ Pieces, I kind of call it, well, I don't know what I call it, but I'm trying to kind of make it violin to session. But, you know, I just pray, play, sorry, um, and, 
you know, and that's fine. That was a bit of a step to start with. And some, I remember Jackie praying on the prayer app when I first did it. But, you know, then I felt I should go and play outside Great Samaria's. And, and I didn't really want to do it there. And I felt a bit uncomfortable. It's a university. But I just kind of prodded myself into doing it. And then I met somebody and they wanted to pray for it. A Christian person I knew and stuff. And that was good. And I came back onto the group. But what I'm saying is we just gotta, we've just got to go that step. Maybe it's just one step beyond where we're prepared to go. You know, don't try and be like some, don't try and be like Connie um, the first day. But even she sometimes finds it hard. When she starts in the morning, she finds it hard sometimes to get going, but she gets into it. She, she gets herself in. I don't, you know, you have to stir yourself up. With, with spiritual things, you have to stir yourself up sometimes and do what's right, and then you'll find the oomph comes alongside it. But the oomph doesn't feel like it's there before you step out. So I think what we need to do, we need to do those three things, I'll come back to them. But basically, if you want a simpler approach, we need to pray and go. Pray and go. Pray and go. You can do the little dance if you like. A bit like wash and go that you do in the mornings. Pray and go. Yeah, pray and go and reach out. Be doing both. Some people pray all the time. Some people go out reach out all the time. But we need the two together. We can't go out on our own strength and just try and do it ourselves. We need to be under the um, anointing. But the book of Jonah shows us God's amazing love. The breadth of his love, his grace, that he wants all men, all women, all children to be saved, to know him. He doesn't desire anybody perish. And the mechanism is our speaking. No other way. You can't really pray someone into the kingdom without them receiving the word or someone speaking to them. It may happen occasionally, but if you've spent 20 years just praying for someone without speaking to them, it's time to speak to them. In the right way, you know, graciously, without being... <laughs> you know, sometimes people talk about being fools for Christ, you know, and they, 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 they get persecuted and they think it's great. But it strikes me, the offensive part is the gospel. The offensive part shouldn't be me. Yeah, the way I say it or how I do it. So if I'm offending people by me, I need to smack on the bottom and to change. But if it's the message that's offending people, that's fine. Because people sometimes need to be offended by the gospel so that they're brought up sharp and they change. Okay, I'm conscious that time is running on and I'm trying not to speak for too long. What are you doing asleep? Get up. Call on your God. Perhaps the God, perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. That might be the lost speaking to us. Get up. What are you doing asleep? What are you doing? You know, getting caught up with your own things. Let's, um, let's step up. And let's do these three things that I talked about. Ask God to give us compassion for those around us and to see their fate outside of Jesus. To pray for the people that God would open their eyes and ears so they may respond and then speak to them. Ask God for opportunities and boldness to take them. You know, I've got some of these love letters here. I haven't got loads. And I don't want, if you're not going to use them, don't take them. Yeah? Any, anyone that you, t I've got, there's about 50 there. So you can take two or three. Please, if you take it, give it to somebody. 
Okay, don't just throw it at them, but just you know, give it. If you're not going to do it, don't take it because they're precious. Okay, but I would love you to take one or two or three to give to a friend as a start. Okay, but let let me um, pray for you around these three things, and then I'm going to ask my friend Mark to come and uh, speak a blessing over us. Um, yeah, Mark is, I'm sorry, Mark is someone I've met recently. He's involved in the Revival Hub. And let me just say this. And Olive's been saying about reaching out. I, I was watching a preach in January, February, and, and the guy was saying, sometimes God hides treasure among people who aren't your people, as it were. People you don't necessarily, and I, I don't mean to be rude, but people you don't necessarily respect, you know. And I found through this Revival Hub, I've been meeting the most wonderful people. They're not, uh, you know, in our church, or they're not in, necessarily in churches even like ours. They're different churches. But there's treasure amongst them. And one of the treasures I've seen from Mark is this speaking of a benediction. And he speaks, and I've been trying to learn it, and I had an opportunity to do it the other week, and I, I bottled it because I had, felt I hadn't quite learned it. Um, you know, he... he I'll let him do it. I'm not going to steal his thunder, but he, hopefully he'll do this, the one I'm talking about. And uh, I thought it was an old one. I thought I'd find it in the King James, but it wasn't there. And then Olive found it for me in the new international version. So that's where it was from. But he's going to come. But let, let's just stand, please. And I want you to respond. Um, not for my good, not for anything I've done, but for God because it's time to change it's time for the church to rise up it's time for the church to get out there into Nineveh and preach the good news to see people change yeah so father I pray thank you for the word I ask you to give us compassion for those around us Lord and show us the fate of those we love and care for if they're outside of Christ what, what's in store for them if they don't return to you, Lord, if they don't repent, Lord. Help us to have that heart, that, that, um, that uh, compunction, that compulsion of wanting to see them repent and change. And Lord, help us to pray, Lord. Show us how to pray for the people around us, that we would pray your prayers, not just things we think, but the heart of God into the lives around us. Lord, and I ask you that we would ask for opportunities to speak to the people around us. Give us your word, Lord. Give us your word to speak into the lives of mothers, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, children, friends, neighbours, compatriots, whatever, that we would have your word and we'd speak your word and that they would turn from darkness to light, that they would embrace the good news of Jesus. Lord, I pray there'll be a mighty revival, Lord, firstly of the church praying and going and speaking, and then an ingathering from that that would put other revivals in the shade, Lord. In Jesus' name, have your way in this nation, Lord. As we come out of lockdown, may the church rise up 
as Olive's prayed, may the church pull down its barriers. May we find one another. May we find the treasure that's hidden among these various churches that we've not even given a thought to. Lord, help us to, 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 to learn from these people, these lovely, lovely people who love you and want to see your kingdom come, who, who speak in the gospel. Lord, I pray, make your church one, particularly in this city, in this area. Make your church one, that the gates of hell would not prevail against it, but it would be brothers and sisters and children dwelling in unity, that there you cannot help but command the blessing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, so. Yeah, you can sit down. So before the service began, Roger said, uh, don't speak for too long. I promise you I won't. Um, so really, Roger just wants me to pray the verses from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. You probably know them very well. I've been praying them for a long time. And uh, the, thing, the thing that I like about these verses is that it reminds us and reminds God that the sky's the limit. With God, nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. And apart from him, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Yeah. And now unto him who is more than able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more, immeasurably more, than all that we could ever ask or imagine by the same power which is already at work among us. To God be the glory. To God be the glory in the church and in Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And Father, I thank you for Mark. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this city through him, Lord. The way his desire is to draw people together from different churches and different backgrounds, Lord. Thank you that in some ways he finds it surprising that you would use him, Lord. And, and yet it's not a surprise because you know him intimately and you don't make mistakes mm. in those you choose. So I pray blessing upon him, Lord. Mm. Blessing upon him that all that you put his hands to, all that he put his hands to, would succeed, Lord. And that he would continue to draw men and women together to see revival in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Cool. Well, thank you, Mark. There is a prayer meeting tomorrow night, a revival hub prayer meeting for revival in this city, in this area. Tomorrow night, yeah. Um, at 7 o'clock, I can give you details if you'd like to. Uh, please come. You're very welcome. Um, I'll be leading that with Phil. And also with a gentleman called Charles, who's a lovely guy, amazing character, amazing man of God, which is great. So bless you, Faith Life. Thank you for being with us. I trust that you'll have a good week. You're very welcome on the street with us anytime you can make it this week or next Saturday in the morning and in the afternoon outside Great St. Mary's. Let's take the gospel to this nation to see it change for you. In Jesus' name. Amen.